HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Cutting the Curd has been brought to you by Academy Opus Cassius. The Academy Opus Cassius is the cheese industry's unique center for professional development, offering both practical and classroom training in the heart of France. For more information, visit academy-mons.com. That's A-C-A-D-E-M-I-E-M-O-N-S.com. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. You're listening to Cutting the Curd, hosted by Ann Saxelby. You're listening to Cutting the Curd, hosted by Ann Saxelby. You're listening to Cutting the Curd, hosted by Ann Saxelby, broadcast live to the cosmos on the Heritage Radio Network. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Cutting the Curd on the Heritage Radio Network. I'm your host, Ann Saxelby, and today we are actually going to do the first of a series that I've been thinking about for a really long time, which is a cheesemonger series, where we're just going to talk to cheesemongers about being cheesemongers. And so my good buddy, Greg Blaze, is here with me. Hello, Greg. How are you? I'm fantastic. How are you? Very well. <laughs> nice. And so, you know, Greg and I have known each other for a long time. We were just talking about it. Greg had a little stand in the Essex Street Market uh, when I opened my store there almost seven years ago now, selling Comte. Not just Comte, but the best Comte you're going to find in New York City, right? Pretty good. Yeah. That was, that was the best best it, I ever had. It was it was awesome. It was awesome. But it was, an up, it was a bit of an uphill battle, that little store, right? I mean... It was tough in there. I mean, yeah, it was real tough. <laughs> <laughs> if you visit the Essex Market today, you'll see it's like the size. There's a cookie place there now. It's the size of a phone booth. And um, and Greg was like, you know, hawking this cheese to just, you know, anybody who would walk by. <laughs> uh, I still had them build a table that I could sleep underneath. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> due to lack of customers. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's so funny. I love it. Well, so, Greg, you've been a cheesemonger longer than I have. How how how, how the hell did you find yourself mongering? And, and, and what's the trajectory? Where'd you start? My trajectory? Yeah. I uh, started in Boston in uh, 95. Okay. And At Formaggio? No, I never worked uh, for Formaggio Kitchen. I worked for Savinor's. Okay. Uh, I was going to school. 
at Emerson College and I ran into a a lady who told me you're going to be a cheese expert <laughs> and I was like well shit that's better than being a journalist so I <laughs> 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 started then that's awesome that's awesome so you were at Saveners for how long a couple years or um, I worked there for for a few years until I graduated and then I I moved to New York City straight away after I graduated. Yeah, and then you worked with uh, Giorgio De Luca, right? I did. Um, I went to work for Balducci's initially when I moved to New York City mm. for about like twelve bucks an hour. I think they were shocked that someone would travel to New York City um, and find their corporate office in Long Island City to ask them. You know, can I sell cheese for you? And they were like, "Well, yeah." <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah. I was like, "Well, I have this college degree." They're like, "Well, we don't, we don't care about that." <laughs> <laughs> and then a friend of mine that I went to school with, her little sister worked at um, Dean and Deluca, and uh, when I realized that Balducci's was an insane place to work full of insane people I went down to Dean and DeLuca and was that full of fewer insane people or no more more more, <laughs> more, more. bigger store more insane people <laughs> but I met yeah I did I met Giorgio and um, he looked at me I had a long hair and some flip flops on and he's like sized me up and, like called me a hippie or something something weird like that and I just started started working with them and uh, never really looked back after that. So, I mean, those were, I mean, you're ahead of your time, my friend, because now I feel like a lot of people are cheesemongers and there's the Good Food Jobs website where people oh, can, yeah. you know, log on and find, you know, probably 10 postings a day looking oh, for cheesemongers. I, I had no help. I had no help. I had no one like me doing what I was doing. And you had no, and the, and the job of a cheesemonger at that point was a different kind of job. It was just kind of like, I mean, you got hired at a grocery store and they'd stick you behind a cheese counter, right? And so you were like a grocery store employee that happened to be working behind the cheese counter. Was it not like that? Not for me. No. Well, not for you. No, but I mean in general. Like when you were working at Balducci's, were any of your compa- you know, compatriots passionate about cheese? or? Yeah, and then I stole them from that job and hired them to work for me. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. <laughs> no, I mean in, in the beginning, um, in the beginning when people like myself and you started to do this there was there was no support system set up you had to be a pioneer you had to sort of range out on your own and and do your thing and and so who did you learn from i mean now you know you can go to murray's and get a job and like you know kind of learn from whoever you know is running the cheese counter but who who were your who were your go-to people uh people who are dead now you know (laughs) yeah i mean I had no, um, I really had no, no teachers except for myself and the and the folks that employed me. You know, mm, you mm. had to you had to teach yourself how to do your job, but that was the best part about it. Yeah, you never want to be a part of anything that gives you too many rules. So you made up the rules and you, you know, you sold good stuff. And that was what it was about. But there was no, there was. It was it was hard to learn. Yeah. It was hard to learn back in the days. Now, were there like I don't know? Would you like have been a person who was a devotee of Steve Jenkins' book? Or absolutely. That's that. That's 
remains the best book I've ever read in regards to cheese because that's the one from which they all came, you know? Yeah, the cheese primer. Or do you say primer? I always say primer. I always say primer. Yeah, I'm from the Midwest. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know how to pronounce these things. (laughs) (laughs) No, but I like what you said about the being about the beginning and there being no rules. I'm I'm kind of a firm believer that like, well, not a firm believer maybe, but things are definitely always better and more exciting at the beginning before they get too bogged down with crap. When you're in on the ground floor of anything that you know is going to be large, mm. uh, that's the best place to be because you you make the rules, you know? I you feel know. like this place, Roberta's, is a lot like that, too. We're sitting in this shipping <laughs> container, broadcasting from a shipping container because, you know, Patrick Martins, who also, you know, who's also happens to be my husband, but he, he met these guys when they first started the restaurant. Yeah. And he was like, hey, guys, can I put a shipping container in the backyard? And they were like, well, shit, we just have this ugly auto body shop that we turned into a pizza restaurant. Yeah, absolutely. And then it, how it's grown from there, you know? It's like those are golden times in the beginning. <laughs> well, it's always best then. I mean, for myself, you know, I've never been here before. Uh-huh. And um, um, when I when I walked in, you know, this morning, I in a state of disrepair, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, wow, what a great place. And uh, you know, and you're surrounded by friends, too. You actually knew people here. <laughs> yeah, well, they knew me because <laughs> I'm infamous and notorious in my, my dealings. But, yeah, it's absolutely, it's absolutely the best to be. you got to be in, well, for me, yeah, it's, it's the best to be in early yeah yeah because that's your i'm I'm never good at following rules Mm. but i'm good at i guess doing doing and creating your own your own system yeah and so well so now you're at eataly i am so you're what are you like what's your title are you like the head cheese buyer are you just like don't don't (laughs) fuck with greg basically (laughs) (laughs) i'm known by many titles (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, um, I mean, I purchase a lot of their cheeses, actually all of them. I work with their head buyer, uh, Dino Bori, um, who is one of the the children of the slow food movement, you mm. know, so we're bound to that. Um, those guys and I have a healthy amount of respect for one another, so I buy and sell all the cheese there. Which is a tremendous amount of cheese. It's a lot. I mean, so how much cheese are we talking about? I mean, roughly coming in and out of that store each week. Oh man, if I if I if I thought to if I stopped to think of it, it would probably be too terrifying. Yeah, I'd have a seizure, man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I would. I mean, we have um, when my my guy who does my inventory because I need like fifty secretaries to like keep my head straight. Um, we looked at all of our item codes. We looked at everything we had, and we had about 400 or 500 codes. Wow. 400 or 500 uh, item codes. And that's in three years. So we, we put a lot of cheese in there quick. Uh, but, you know, that's you know that's what we do. We, I mean, we'll move and tonnage. I mean, oh, my goodness, several hundred to thousand pounds a week. That's of everything, awesome. yeah. That's awesome, and and the cheese selection there runs the gamut from, you know, really basic, 
you know, um, sort of standards, yeah. standbys to just really weird stuff like that ricotta pasita yeah. that you were that you gave the me a taste of the other formaggi, day. Yeah. Well, what I learned when I took the job is that in Italy, Italy is a, such a a cradle of food, you know, in mm-hmm. general. So the things I thought I knew about cheese, I didn't, and. Now I have to run a stand and an area that produces fresh mozzarella. And, you know, you get to see, like, curd, you know, like the building blocks of everything we sell. And um, parmigiano and ricotta, like these things that I think a lot of uh, cheese cheese professionals may take for granted, like fresh cheeses and things that are, you know, they pass in and out of your scope really quickly, you know. Mm. And ricotta is made and sold and eaten and shot out in like a week. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, you know, cheese has become very precious. So, you know, we hold on to items for six months, eight months. Yeah. And then we sell them, we parse them out to people that we deem worthy mm. of, in, of consuming them. And um, that's not what I do. I mean, I do that, but, I mean, we ro- we rolled through about like, 70,000 pounds of curd last year wow. in one arm of the business, you know? Yeah. I mean... I've and then there's all the restaurants there yeah. and everything else. I mean, that's an impressive amount of cheese. Um, if I can ask really quickly, just because you, <laughs> of all people, are very funny about this, and I feel like every cheesemonger does it, whether they're going to admit it or not, but you're talking about parsing out cheeses to certain people versus <laughs> not others. How, how, do you, how do you navigate that? I mean, it's, it's, and you don't have to talk specifics. It's not even about this, this particular job or this place in time, but I feel like every cheesemonger is kind of like, all right, I'm going to save this special thing for this person I really like. Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah. I mean, how would you get them to come back if you didn't do that? <laughs> totally. <laughs> They're so not going to come people... back to see me, man. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm awful. Do you have people that have that have that have followed you since uh, that have been your customers since you first uh, um, started I mean, in New York City? There are people who follow the cheese, and you know? I definitely recognize people that I've sold cheese to over. A span of decades, absolutely. Yeah, but they follow the cheese, you know. <laughs> That's true. If you were working at a place that sold shitty cheese, they probably wouldn't come to see. Yeah, it, but I mean, I'm just a, I'm just a set of hands, you know, and a, and a loud mouth that puts it out to them, you know. <laughs> totally, <laughs> totally, totally. Yeah, you know. I mean, you have regular customers, don't you? Yeah, definitely. definitely. You're a cheesemonger. I'm a cheesemonger, too. You sell cheese with your hands. I I've do. seen it done. I do. By you. Yep. Not as much as I, lately, not as much as I'd like to, actually. Why not, man? Why not? Because, you know, I had a kid and um, <laughs> we have a wholesale business now and a little, uh, you know, operation out in Red Hook, Brooklyn. And so being the owner of the business, too, it's tough. You end up kind of splitting your time. But to be honest with you, being behind that counter makes me happier than anything else. Of course. Yeah. Well, your hands are in it. And so how do you manage... Okay, so it makes us really happy. Otherwise, we wouldn't do it. But it also infuriates us sometimes. Yeah. How do you deal with that? It's the shittiest job in the world. <laughs> I mean, you know, these savages, they come up and like <laughs> they ask you for free stuff and you've got to like cut them little bits of food. And, and then, you know, when you hand it out to them in your hand, you know, they're like, oh. Uh, like 
fucking eat it, you know? Just take it. <laughs> Don't Come judge on. it. Eat it. Tell me what you think. <laughs> we'll go from there. It's a tough job, you know? But yeah. um, it's you never get tired of waking up in the morning to do it. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Because the stuff's that good. It's you, just the, the stuff we sell is that good. You're very humble. I, I, I really, I think that in this era that we live in of like celebrity chefs and all kinds of, you know, um, nonsense on TV and on the internet and whatnot, you haven't mentioned yourself, I mean, once. You just are talking about the cheese. Of course. Which is, I feel like, a really <laughs> useful and, and unique, you know, perspective for other cheesemongers well, I mean, to think about. I'm nothing. You know, the, the, the goods I sell are everything. That's, that's what it's about. Yeah. You know? Yeah, and you know, I mean, that's a that's a no. It's a beautiful sentiment. <laughs> it's a beautiful sentiment, man. Actually, and it's perfectly timed. We have to take a little break, but when we come back, we're going to talk more with Greg, and then um, we're also going to get Veronica Pedraza on the line from Meadowood Farms, who's a uh, who's a uh, up at uh, in Casanova, New York. They just had their Lambing Day celebration yesterday, so stick with us. Sweet. <laughs> You're listening to Sumatra by Sherry Holmes on the Heritage Radio Network.org. The Academy Opus Cassius is the cheese industry's unique center for professional development, offering both practical and classroom training for cheese professionals ready to move their careers to the next level. When you come to learn at the Academy, we instill our love for cheese, our expertise, and our experience so that you can support artisanal producers, impeccably care for the fine cheeses you carry, and serve your customers with skill and enthusiasm. We integrate hands-on practice, formal instruction, and classroom discussion in all of our courses. The Academy's programs are offered at the Mons Fromagerie in the heart of France, where cheese undergoes affinage and cheeses are received, prepared, and shipped. Several Mons retail shops are nearby. The surrounding countryside is the home to producers whose excellent cheeses are cared for by the Mons team. The Mons cheese business has more than 50 years' experience caring for and teaching about cheese in France, a country known as the source of some of the world's greatest cheeses, deepest cheese tradition, and the highest level of technological research and rigor in cheese making and ripening. The Academy has been recognized by the American Cheese Society as the first approved education center for those preparing for the certified cheese professional exam. Enroll now for Essential Foundations for Cheese Professionals or Affinage, the Art and Science of Maturing Cheese. For more information, visit www.academy-mons.com. That's A-C-A-D-E-M-I-E-M-O-N-S.com. Certified Cheese Professional is a registered trademark of the American Cheese Society. All right, and we're back on Cutting the Curd. This is the Heritage Radio Network. You can find us online at heritageradionetwork.org. We're broadcasting live from Roberta's Pizza in uh, Bushwick, Brooklyn. And um, today we have uh, Greg Blaze, who is um, a very good friend of mine and cheesemonger for many years, talking about being a cheesemonger. Um, and on the line with us now, we have Veronica Pedraza, who's up at Meadowwood Farms in Casanova, New York, uh, who just, well, who is in the throes, I should say, of lambing. Um, Veronica, are you with us? Yeah, I'm here, Anne. Can hey. you hear us good? Hey. Oh, yeah. We, yeah. Can, we can hear loud Absolutely. and clear. <laughs> hey. Um, so how's I'm with it? Fiona. Hey, Fiona. How are you? Hi, I'm doing well. And Fiona. She's really the one in the throes of lambing. <laughs> yeah, you're just waiting for the milk to start flowing so you can make some cheese. Exactly. <laughs> and Fiona, can um tell me your last name again. I'm so sorry. I want to make sure we get it right for the uh for the radio here. Uh Tarar. 
Fiona Terrar. Okay, fantastic. Um, so what's what's going on up at the farm? I feel like this is the time of year when we all in the city get excited because the weather starts to get nice and we can start to, you know, be outside more, ride our bikes around, eat brunch and, you know, hang out on a Sunday morning. But what does it mean for you guys up at the, up at the farm? Um, we've been pretty busy for the last uh, month and a half. We uh, started lambing uh, probably about March 6th. And we have a total of about 130 sheep. And we did uh, two groups, two different breeding groups. And uh, the first group started lambing. And we had 175 lambs in a period of 21 days. Wow. That's a lot of kids. It was just uh, total madness for about three weeks. And uh, we had mostly triplets, a lot of twins. Um, And then we had four sets of quads. Wow, and all, how how did all the how did everybody do? Was it generally an easy season for you guys, or did you encounter some bumps? Um, it was actually uh, pretty pretty trouble free. You know, we do have occasional issues uh, where we have to assist with the birth, but for the most part, they they do it themselves and uh, you know take care of their babies, and it goes well and. Uh, and how do you guys deal? Because, um, you know, on a dairy farm, this is a question that I get asked a lot. People um, are always very concerned then about, you know, the weaning process. They're like, oh, when do the babies leave the moms? And, and I say, you know, it's really on a farm-to-farm basis. So how do you guys um, deal with, you know, raising the lambs uh, for the first couple weeks and then transitioning to cheese making? We, um, we actually leave our lambs on for 30 days. We, we let them nurse. Um, we don't take them off right away. I mean, there are some sheep dairies that take them off right away. Some people leave the lambs on um, for a few weeks, but we, we do it for 30 days, and it seems to work out really well for us. The lambs grow really well, and um, we're able to um, get them to a good, healthy weight. Um, we want them to be about 30 pounds before we wean them and uh, start milking the mothers. Yeah, yeah. Greg's Greg's got a question for you. How many how many animals do you have from time to time? Like how many animals do you manage and and on your farm? Um, we we have a total of 130 ewes, and we have uh, probably about 10 rams on the farm. Um, and then the right studs. now we You're like have ten studs who like impregnate all those all those <laughs> gals. Yeah, <laughs> lucky. Um, that's a good and ratio. And we generally manage um, around 200 lambs throughout the grazing season. Man. Wow. We have cattle as well. Yeah, we have a herd of uh, Belted Galloway cattle. How many, um, how, many, how many cows you got? Uh, they're around 50 right now with all the um, cows, heifers, and steers and calves from here. Can, can I ask you, like, how big is your, how, how big is your farm? How, how how large of an area do they get to roam around in and eat? Um, we have about uh, 225 acres. Uh, it's primarily pasture. Yeah. And, and um, we, this time of year, it's still pretty wet. Yeah. Out, and uh, we, we generally get them <laughs> out on pasture about May 1st. Cool. And um, I guess, yeah, I kind of jumped right into the, the, the lambing and the actual happenings on the farm. But um, can you give us a little rundown of... Um, Meadowood Farms. I think we might have even done this once before on the radio, but um, just give our listeners a little picture of what the farm is, is like and um, how you how you moved um, from just the cattle into uh, into the sheep dairying. Um, <laughs> just just a quick story. story. No, I'm just kidding. There's in, nothing in nothing to say there. Yeah, <laughs> it's 
<laughs> farm, the farm is actually owned by two um, men who um, have a um, they have a house on the property, and they wanted uh, all the surrounding property to continue to be a working farm. And so when they purchased it, they started out with cattle, basically just you know to keep the grass mown. And they chose Salted Galloways because they're a really beautiful heritage breed, and they do really well in this climate. And then they ended up uh, hooking up with a woman who had a sheep dairy in the area, and she was actually uh, milking sheep and selling the milk to Old Chatham at the time. And she moved her flock over here, and uh, that's, that's how the sheep dairy got started. She would only take care of the cattle if she could bring some sheep over. Yeah. <laughs> why? Why is that? Why? She held the sheep. The ra- she held ransom. Yeah. Why, why was she holding them? Why was she holding them hostage like that? <laughs> I guess some people just really love sheep. You know. I guess. Yeah. Yeah. That's so funny. I'm definitely a sheep lover. I'm definitely a sheep lover. Why? And why now is my that? My partner Seth manages the cattle. Why do you love the sheep? Uh, they're just. Uh, they're small. They're easier to, to deal with than, than cattle. You know, cattle are just big and intimidating. And, like sort uh, of lunky and roaming around. But, yeah. <laughs> yeah, milk makes the most delicious cheese. Yes. Their milk makes the most delicious yeah. cheese. Yeah. How well, do you that, feel that's about what that? I, that's what I was getting at. Like, I mean, the sheep, sheep's milk is like the best stuff in the world. Yeah. Like, I mean, it's... Uh, do, you make, do you make ice cream out of uh, the sheep's milk? Because, <laughs> because I've, had, I've had sheep's milk ice cream that's possibly the, one of the best things I've ever put in my mouth. I think I think I think what Greg is asking if is if he can buy sheep's milk and make someone make ice cream with it in Italy. Kind of. <laughs> Maybe I am asking that. Yes. Um, oh wait, go, go ahead. Sorry. Doing that? No, she's in Idaho. Oh, Idaho. Yeah. Oh man. She's making sheep's milk ice cream. So, uh, tell us more about the the sheep uh, the the cheese making. When is that uh, getting started for you guys? And uh, what kind of cheeses are you going to be making this year? Um, well, hopefully, we'll start making cheese. We should start milking sometime this week, and cheese making will subsequently follow. Um, we're going to make uh, Ledyard, Rippleton, and Lorenzo. And I'm going to play around with a new cheese called Strawbridge. What's that all about? What's that all about? <laughs> um, I don't, you know, I'm I'm trolling to get new cheese from you. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, Not really. Cool, I like just... this conversation. Um, it's, I think, going to be sort of inspired by, uh, like, a Montenegro, but with sheep's milk. Sure. That'll sure. be so good. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah. Looking at station. And actually, wait. I do. I have another question because um, we were talking about why you like sheep, and you're talking about the you know the size and the kind of you know demeanor of the animals. It seems to me more common that women like working with sheep and goats, and men like working with cows better. Do you guys think that's true, or am I making that up? I feel like the size issue might have something to do with. The size, the size of the animal. The size of the animal. Yeah, I don't know. Do you guys? Am, yeah. I, am I totally just just blowing smoke, or is that? But all aren't all the cows, cows, <laughs> gals. I mean. Oh they... yeah, but I mean, in terms of like women cheesemakers prefer working with um, sheep and goats, maybe um, no, it... versus cows. I think it has 
to do with working hard versus working smart. <laughs> I like to work hard. <laughs> you like to work Man, hard, you said? I, I, wish, I wish I knew the difference. <laughs> <laughs> so, so you guys had your first ever Lambing Day Festival um, yesterday, right? It actually, no, it wasn't the first one. We've been, we've been doing it for um, several years now. Oh, well, my apologies. This was the first one that I knew about because Veronica <laughs> is working with you guys now. So can you, um, so what happens at Lambing Day and how can people, uh, how can people find out about it, um, you know, if they want to come up next year? Um, we basically open the farm up to the public for uh, uh, four hours. It, the event went from noon to four yesterday. And we really do it as a community event to, to you know, help the public understand what we're doing here and why we're doing it. And it's an opportunity for people to come see how we manage the animals and how we take care of them and uh, to learn about all the products that we make. And it's because normally we, we're not open to the public. We're, uh, we basically just sell our products, you know, through farmer's market and wholesaling. That's the public, though. I mean, There's just three of us on the farm, so it's really difficult to manage visitors and can't come up and be like, hey, yeah. can you show me around? You're like, we want to <laughs> see those animals getting milked, man. <laughs> can we get like 50 people packed in this room? <laughs> so. Totally. Well, I think, um, you know, that is, uh, you know, especially in light of all this, uh, you know, I don't know when exactly I heard about it in the news, but there's been some, some news recently about, you know, cameras being allowed and different animal processing facilities whether it's slaughterhouses or dairies or whatever and so yeah. i think the idea of letting you know of, of not even just allowing but inviting the public in to see how you do your thing is just awesome because people you know people yeah. love to see it are you comfortable with that do you do you mind that people know what you're up to <laughs> I, no, seriously. I'm, with it. I'm, I'm very proud of you know what yeah. i do and, and how we how we take care of the animals and i want people yeah. to to, to know, right? Like, why do you do it? Like, why do you do it? Why do you do it? Why do I do it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, well, I was a vegetarian for 12 years. Oh, that's horrible. And, <laughs> and, and it was because, you know, I was opposed to industrial agriculture and the way animals were raised. Yeah, of course. Yeah. And I came to the realization that I could make more of a difference by uh, actually farming raising livestock and raising my own food and educating people about how it can be done well. Yeah. And when you work with the animals, do you, do you feel that? Like, when yeah. you, you know, <laughs> do you know, do you know you're on the right path? Yes. Yes. Yeah. I that's feel cool. that. And then the other thing, I'm being I, serious. I, I mean, I'm, I'm a little hungover, I, and, but I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm none, nonetheless serious. Sir, earnest, earnest questions. Yeah, absolutely. After 12 years of being a vegetarian, I ate some bacon, and then I, you know. Well, bacon will turn anybody around, man. I know. Actually, Fleischer's, that butcher shop up in Kingston, they have a t-shirt that says bacon, the gateway meat on it. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Because they were vegetarians, too, and then they ended up opening a butcher shop, you know? Yeah, yep, yeah. <laughs> Um, well, so, so that's fantastic. So you guys are really expanding your operations this year. Um, we're really, I mean, Greg and I as, as cheese sellers and cheese mongers are really excited about that because we'll have more of your cheese Can to sell. Can we have your cheese? <laughs> yeah, we're going to milk 130. Uh, we milked 84 last year. So we're gonna have can, I, can I ask you a question 
um, based like people that I sell cheese to, they don't understand uh, the cycle of giving milk. That you know the cycle that animals give milk on. They don't understand why sheep's milk cheese is available in a certain way at a certain <laughs> time of year. You know they don't get that. Like we got to send them up to lambing day, yeah, and then they're gonna get it. They're like, this is. This is when when the milk is coming out, you know. Yep. And then the they don't they don't get that it's like two or three or four months between yep. the time that they they take you, that you guys take the milk and the cheese is made, and the cheese is really really great. They're like, why is why is the sheep's milk cheese so good at the end of the summer? I'm like. Well, because shit, they gave all the milk in, in the spring, and then, then, then that's when the cheese comes out. Am I wrong to maybe it, say that? I feel like Italy is uniquely in the position to create like a little um, exhibit where you could like go around and like pick up headphones and like listen to you talking. We've with thought the of farmers. dragging sheep and goats into <laughs> Italy. That's all right. But I was told by one of my friends that they would like eat the marble. They're they. <laughs> like if you bring goats in here, they'll eat the floor. Wait, but that's a lie, right? Because goats, Veronica, I don't know. Then Fiona, <laughs> goats are gourmands in my mind. They really are picky. I mean, they eat a wide variety They're of scrappers, stuff. Man, They're scrappers. Yes, <laughs> they eat cars. They eat cars. Oh wow. Okay, never mind. Like they're scrappers, man. They process anything, you know. Tin cans. Do that. No, sheep are like kind of regal. They produce that good buttery milk only because they are picky in what they eat, right? Yes, they're very careful about what yeah. they eat. Yeah. <laughs> well, we're definitely looking forward to some cheeses. Actually, coming up here in the middle of May, Greg, we're going to get the first uh, Ledyards from uh, Meadowood, and then uh, in June we're going to see the Rippleton come back. So, and Of course, you will sell me these. Oh, right? yeah. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. For sure. <laughs> Oh, man. Well, thank you guys so much. Um, actually, before we sign off, um, how can people... Uh, do you guys have a website um, or you know a Facebook page or something where people can check in and learn about the farm, what you guys have been uh, been doing? We, uh, we do have a website. It's uh, meadowwoodfarms.com, but I highly recommend going to our Facebook page. <laughs> I'm able to update that a lot more frequently, and there are a lot of cute lamb pictures on there. And there's an awesome, awesome YouTube video. Oh yeah, I made a YouTube video about Lambing Day. Oh, awesome! All right, well we'll get we'll definitely post that link here. On, uh, you know, You're listening to Cutting the Curd, hosted by Ann Saxby. You're listening to Cutting the Curd, hosted by Ann. Thanks for listening to this program on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Heritage underscore Radio. You can email us questions at any time at info at heritageradionetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening.